0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Homesteads and Homeschools. This is episode number 59, which means you can find the show notes for today's show at homesteadsandhomeschools.com/slash zero five nine. For the most part, this is uh, an apolitical show. I may have some some guests on that have particular bents here and there, but uh, for the most part, you know, we're kind of talking about growing your own stuff. And Teaching your own kids, and if that happens to have a, a political bent to it, well so be it but today uh, today's show is going to be a little bit different um it is it is the season in which libertarians decide on who their presidential nominee will be and uh, they make that decision in early May. My guest today is uh is seeking the presidential nomination from the libertarian Party and that is uh, mr Mark Whitney. I the reason I had him on, you know, all, I think all most of the libertarian nominees would be kind of interesting to talk to when it comes to school. You know, they look at small government and uh I think most would be opposed to the uh national standards and Department of Education that uh that currently exists. But uh I had Mark on today to talk about his experience homeschooling his son. They have two kids as you'll see and uh you know, we'll we'll get into that in the in the show. That was mostly why I wanted to have him on, and we talked a little bit at the end about what he kind of envisions for uh, education on a national scale, where that the federal government fits into to uh, education. But before we get to the the show, I just want to remind you to go ahead and uh, subscribe if you haven't already, because you're slackers if you haven't, and I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed. I don't know what kind of uh, homeschooling parent you think you are if you are not able to subscribe to a podcast. It's that simple. Um, you know, how are you supposed to be keeping up on all that other stuff you're doing? And, uh, head over to, to, uh, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon for our, the affiliate link. And of course, if you feel so inclined, patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie and uh, get some bonus, bonus content there and some, some stickers, some seeds, some other paraphernalia I got laying around here, waiting, waiting to get in your greedy little hands or, uh, benevolent little hands, whatever, whatever your hands may be. Maybe they're big hands. I don't know. But, uh, wait, let's, uh, let's get down to it. Let's, uh, let's go plant those Liberty seeds. Mr. Mark Whitney. my guest today if you follow libertarian politics at all um you'll you'll know his name uh but he is running for uh you know the the nomination for the libertarian president um there and is here today uh thank you for for coming out i appreciate it um and he just did a big long ask me anything so uh mr mark whitney thank you for uh coming on welcome to the show appreciate it thank you man so uh yeah, like to to start back at the beginning. I know you. Uh, I know you grew up in, in Vermont, right?
1: Correct. I was born in uh, Rhode Island, but by the time I was a uh, by the time I was in the first grade, we were in Vermont. So I went through elementary school and high school in Rutland County, Vermont, which is where okay. they keep Killington.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. So R- Rutland's a it, now it's a, it's a I don't want to say it's a decent sized city, but it's a, it's a, not your your little podunk, uh, Northeast kingdom towns. How, yeah. Where did you go? Was it a, was oh, it a so bunch you, of kids? If you,
1: so if you're saying Northeast kingdom, you know, Vermont, how do you know Vermont? Uh, I spent,
0: uh, I grew up in like upstate New York outside of Saratoga and, uh, lived in, lived in Vermont for a few years. So,
1: so I actually, uh, uh, went to school in Brandon, Vermont at Otter Valley. Yeah. Yeah. President of the uh, student council, 1977, one in a landslide.
0: If, if if they only knew, knew what they were setting up I, I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> so uh, it, it, I, I'm guessing it was fairly small back. Uh, I mean, it's still small now. So it was pretty small back then. You, did you have like school choice back then? Or what did you do for high school?
1: Uh, I went through uh, uh, K through 6 at Brandon Elementary School in Brandon, Vermont. I went 7 through 12 at Otter Valley Union High School. It's one of these schools where you need you know, six or seven towns to, to, uh, make a school. So there are about 900 kids in that school at the time. Today is about 450. Vermont is the oldest, uh, oldest state in the country per capita because it is the most anti-capitalist state. So there's no commerce there. And, uh, so, uh, I don't want to get off track, but 40% of the revenue in Vermont comes from taxes paid on dividends. So you have a lot of uh, people with a lot of money there, and then you have a lot of people with no money. So that's Vermont.
0: I, it's uh, that was one of the things, it's a beautiful place, but it, uh, that was one of the things I remember living there that kind of chased us out a little bit, but uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Did, did you like, uh, did, how was your public school experience? Was it a good one, a bad one, uh, anything you
1: remember? Uh, my, uh, The thing I remember most is high school. uh, Well, actually, you know what? The best thing about elementary school for me was that I was an altar boy at the Catholic church in town. So whenever anybody died and it was a funeral and they were Catholic, like I would starting like in the second grade, I would follow the obituaries. And I would look for Catholics in my town that died because I knew I was going to get to ride my bike across town about two miles to Catholic church. I was going to do the funeral mass. I was going to get dragged out to the graveyard. Someone's going to give me five bucks. And then on the way back to school, I'm going to stop at Brown's pharmacy and get a hot fudge Sunday. And by the time all that happens, uh, there's no school. So, you know, can you imagine, right? And so that went on really through all, all the way through the sixth grade. Can you imagine, uh, you know, these days, you know, if you let your kid bike across town from the school to the church to do a funeral mass, they would take your kids you away it. from you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. they you would. No doubt. And, and, and God forbid you, you make a little bit of money at, at that age under the table
1: like that. Ooh. Oh, forget it's it. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Cause I didn't, the only time I saw money at that age was when we went down to Rhode Island to, to visit my mother's family. And, you know, she came from an Irish Catholic family and there's always like that one relative that has a wallet full of money. You know, they don't really have money, but they got a wallet full of cash and they give mm-hmm. you five bucks. And that's like an ocean of money. And you can buy all this penny candy with it at the store and popcorn at the beach. And that was fantastic. My aunt Alice, she was the one that had the money in her wallet. Nice. Yeah. She didn't have money, but she had money in her wallet and she gave it to us.
0: Hey, what? whatever works. So you, uh, at some point along the line, then you you ended up in California. Is that where? because I know I know from following, following the the campaign, campaign and whatnot. Yeah, you have uh, you have two boys that are older now, right? They're in their yeah, thirty
1: two and thirty five. My sons and uh, we moved to California at age forty, which I like to say for us was the age of reason. That's when we reached the age of reason and uh, got out of New England. I had the, I started a company called. Uh, I co- I was a co-founding member of a company in 1996 in Hanover, New Hampshire called Ayers. Uh, and that was a company that actually get this, uh, recruited candidates, which is what I'm offering to do for the libertarian party. And <laughs> people just hate me. They just hate me. I don't know what the deal is, with you know what they, they're a bunch of, you know, the <laughs> lion King, you know, the lion King, you know, the lion King. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, there's Mufasa and then there's scar. Yeah. Right. So, and then there's all these hyenas that are always around. These people are hyenas. What is wrong with these people? (laughs) What is wrong with these people? You come in and you go, look, I'm devoting my 60s to helping this party. The culture is upside down. You're a bunch of losers. You don't get anybody (laughs) elected. You're, you're dysfunctional. You're codependent. You virtue signal. You chant principles. You don't know anything about anything. You just chant. And and I'm gonna blow this up and mm-hmm. I'm gonna make it my own or I'm gonna start what the party should be on my own, you know, one or the other. So it's either I'm either gonna fix what's there, which is easier than starting a separate party, or I'm gonna start a separate party. And depending on whether Austin gets it right, there may be two libertarians running for president this year, the one they nominate and me.
0: All right. All right. Well, see how see how that goes. that's uh
1: and I'll get more votes than whoever they nominate based on the people running.
0: They're, they're, yeah,
1: <laughs> because I actually I actually understand the job because I understand these documents and and you know I just got a message for people: the Libertarian uh, National uh, Platform is not the document that the president takes the oath to uphold. Mm-hmm. It's the Constitution, and those documents overlay a lot. But if all of you have mastered is that platform, you are incompetent to apply for the job of president. You are incompetent. <laughs> so get off the stage.
0: Is that interesting uh, take on that? It's, uh, I have not quite thought of it. It's actually yeah.
1: based on a true story. Because if you've seen an inauguration, okay, the person who wins the election raises their hand. And and they swear to preserve and protect and defend the Constitution, not the platform of a political party. The reason I'm a Libertarian is because the Libertarian Party is extracted from the founding documents. It, that's, that's where it comes from. It's a political organization that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the First Amendment. Yeah. So, and you know, just, just the order of things. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Like so. We discovered freedom. No, you didn't. You're an idiot. You're a moron. <laughs> you didn't discover freedom.
0: D- discovering, uh, you know, personal liberties and, and rights, discovering that. Uh,
1: the Personal liberties are inherent. Yeah, They're right? natural. You didn't discover them. You were born with them. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah, that true? Yeah. No, uh, it, it yeah is, so why make this charismatic Gregorian chant out of it? I don't get that at all. Okay. If it's natural, then what the fuck?
0: Yeah. No, it's it, that, uh, I think it kind of fits the time. It's more the the time. Everybody everybody's doing it, and it's uh, that's that's the nature of yeah.
1: Everybody uh, is on social media virt- Everyone's on social media, virtue signaling to their friends. It's like, oh, I would never call Jacob a bad name. I'm so virtuous. I don't use words like that. I don't even associate with people who use words like that. It's it's terrible. I hate Dave Chappelle who says that word every five seconds. I hate. Chris Rock who says that word every five seconds. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Those people are not popular. Oh no. No I, no. I no, I hear you. Yeah. But, uh, so you're, you're, boys. I'm ruining your relationships in the party right now, aren't I? Well, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't, I, don't,
0: I <laughs> try not to be too. Like I kind of, I'm not, I, it's, I just I don't I don't, I don't understand. Like, I just don't care. Like it's, it just, yeah.
1: you know, I mean, we break it down to
0: this team stuff. and You know
1: what? You know what? That's a very smart that's – a, that's a smart thing you just said because why should you care? Because the way they treat the presidential election is like an administrative task. You get some people that, that chant back some principles like monkeys. You give them a banana. You go, to a, you go to a national convention, and you nominate someone who's politically irrelevant and has no ability to, to, to bring talent and charisma or, or any kind of fire to getting on the debate stage. So you, you, you're politically irrelevant, and there's an opportunity this year to not be that,
0: you know? Yeah, there's an opportunity last go-around as well. So it's kind of, you know, we'll see. But uh, so your, your boys, your boys are in their 30s now, and they are um, fairly successful, I would say, right? Is that? Uh...
1: They're very successful. They were both financially independent before they were 35. Uh, my family is, um, we are a large libertarian family. Uh, all of the money, <clears throat> I've got a little cold, all of the money, uh, that my family has earned, uh, has been entirely from the private sector, hundred percent of it. Uh, and with the exception of this one company, I started in my twenties where I borrowed money. Uh, all of our companies are, are bootstrapped from cash flow. Uh, so, uh, as a result of my experience with losing a company in my twenties, Financial literacy is what defines the culture of my family. If I had to pick one thing, um, so don't spend a dollar. You don't have, um, uh, you know, keep your nose out of other people's business. Um, and when you're, when you are, uh, especially my, my youngest son, Chris, who created this enormous uh, Amazon store of uh, $15 million at its peak. Uh, what he did every, every, every month, Cause he rolled his own money over every month. So every month he put every dollar that came in at risk. And for the first seven or eight years that he had that company, he drove a 10 year old Hyundai Elantra <laughs> that we got when he was 16. Um, all the money got rolled over and rolled over. Is he's really, a, he's really, uh, Chris is really the king of retail arbitrage. That's what he is. And so he's really a commodities trader. Um, that's what you are if you have an Amazon store in many cases. And uh, so every month he puts all that money at risk. You know, he didn't sit around, a, he didn't sit around like a hyena in his bathtub, you know, uh, castigating presidential candidates on Facebook, right? As libertarian as a verb, Right? If you got that kind of time on your hands, you're a loser. Yeah, it is. You're a loser. It is. It is a verb.
0: Um, so now, Chris was was he was he homeschooled? Did you homeschool him for a little bit, or did he finish out public uh, yeah, school? Or how Chris, did that work?
1: Yeah. So Chris is um autistic, and uh, so he went to public school until he was in about the fourth grade. It wasn't really a a thing that was working that well for him. Uh, Chris was also a champion competitive figure skater. Huh. Um and uh, he used to wear a shirt to the rink that said if figure skating was easy, they'd call it hockey. <laughs> and uh I said, you know, you're gonna be in the dumpster <laughs> down there someday. Uh but uh but the fact of the matter is um he could skate rings around the hockey players. When he went out on the rink with the hockey players, yeah, you know, he'd just whip around them. And and in fact a former world champion, Michael Weiss, former world champion of figure skating in the United States was the first person to land a quadruple jump? He makes his living now teaching hockey players how to skate. That's that's what he does, nice. Nice. and uh, yeah. So so Chris, uh, so there were two reasons that we decided to homeschool. Uh, one was he was he was autistic. It wasn't really the best setting for him because he has these incredible strengths and these incredible weaknesses. So the homeschooling allowed us to manage to his strengths. Right. And one of his strengths and aptitudes was figure skating. The other strength and aptitude he had when he was like 12 was he really became, it was right around that, it was, it was the same week that John F. Kennedy flew his plane into the ocean, John F. Kennedy Jr. off of Block Island. Chris was fascinated by that all week. He couldn't get enough of the coverage. And at the end of the week, of watching a week of, of plane crash coverage, he looked up and said, I wanna fly airplanes. And uh, <laughs> that was what he took away from that, right? So he became this, he, he was like a really good pilot. And so so with Chris, it was really important to, uh, <laughs> here's the thing I think that happens with a lot of parents. A lot of parents uh, are, are like the people on the Facebook page, heckling me like a bunch of hyenas. They're worried about what other people say about them and think about them. So they impose a lot of stress on their kids. So, we lived in Hanover, New Hampshire, which, if you know yeah. the area, is a bedroom, it, that's where Dartmouth College is. So, everybody that lives in Hanover, New Hampshire, and in Norwich, Vermont, across the river, for people who don't know, Hanover's a town of 7,000 people. Norwich is a town of 3,000 people. And what Norwich is in Vermont, Hanover's in New Hampshire. And it's so I, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Rutland County, which is a real blue collar. There's no, there's I don't, I don't. There might be two people from my high school that've gone to Ivy League schools, um, but over here, just over the mountain, an hour or so away, and my parents, by the way, never thought to maybe bring us over there. I didn't even know Dartmouth was there. You know, I grew up in that area, for, and I get over there and I find out about Dartmouth on a high school band trip. I thought, well, this is nice. So, so we moved down there and lived there. I thought maybe some of those uh, brain cells would rub off on me or my kids or something. And everybody that lives in these communities, they they work for. Most of them work for the two big nonprofits that employ everybody, which is Dartmouth College and the nearby hospital, Dartmouth Hitchcock. And and these people, you know, uh, when the, the minute that they conceive, from that from the time that baby is conceived before it's even out of the womb, they are programming that kid to go to an Ivy League school, and it is so preordained and they, and they're so concerned about it. They're kind of concerned about it for two reasons. One is status. Like Aunt Becky who bribed the kid into <laughs> USC. You know, she's got, Aunt Becky has this 14 year old kid who's this amazing entrepreneur who has 2 million followers on YouTube and, and puts makeup on better than anybody's ever put makeup on. And she's got contracts with all the big makeup companies. This kid doesn't need college. Right. This kid knows what she's doing. She shows up twice a week and makes these videos and she's just killing it. But Aunt Becky needs to virtue signal to the people in her community. Yeah, her daughter got into a good college, so she bribed her into college because she doesn't like the people in Hanover. They don't don't have the... It's not that they don't have confidence in their kids. They don't have confidence in themselves. They don't have confidence in themselves as parents. That's where that comes from. You know, so there's a status piece, but there's also this mentality that there is this, There's this single path, you know, and if they could just get their kid on this path, then they can relax. (laughs) Then they can relax because they don't want to worry about their kid. Yeah. I wasn't like that. I always had confidence in myself as a parent and as a father. And my, my two sons are very different. My oldest son is like my, my wife. And uh, so they do very well by the structured seminar. A public school is it kind of works for them, right? But Chris and I are different. Chris and I are different. We don't think that way. It doesn't really work for us. Uh, we're very good working from a blank piece of paper. We can use our creativity and our imagination to uh, imagine how things would be if we took certain steps, yeah. but we're not committed to the outcome. We know we need to be flexible as we go. But, uh, but my oldest son and my wife very much benefit from the structure um, and, uh, uh, so, so I think my point is based on my experience, if you just have confidence in yourself as a parent and you're showing up and, and you're doing the right thing that your, your kids are going to find their way in the world and you don't have to bribe them into college and go to prison. It's so much easier. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, no, no doubt about that. I, I. So did your, your, uh, older son, you didn't, you guys did not homeschool him. You kept him in the public school system.
1: No, he, he was, my older son was was more like having a cat he was just kind of independent from the fourth grade he got himself up he got dressed he got himself to school walked to school rode his bike to school even in the winter he had his bike tires studded and he rode to school it's cold. and he's always yeah he's always been very independent very self-sufficient uh and he just kind of killed at it you know he he uh you know when he was 16 he started working full-time and he hasn't stopped working full time. He he went through USCSD in three years, got his master's all while working full time. Uh, and he's just uh, he's one of these people that's just like my wife, very task driven. Um, and so he he's always like a top student. He's fluent in French, and and I call him a Renaissance Redneck. He's fluent <laughs> in French and knows how to fix a car. Nice. So yeah, yeah. So did
0: you guys? Um, how was that homeschooling then with with your younger son and? dealing with the
1: it worked out really well we were able to uh we were able to take advantage of all the ice time that was available in the area uh when the hockey players weren't using it and his coach was able to work with him um and my mom actually did the homeschooling she was a chapter one teacher um and so she got involved that chris and her have a very good relationship and my mom is still alive she's in her mid-80s and you know, about 10 years ago, Chris just started sending my mom a $1,000 a month just because he wanted to. He just, and he's been doing that. I mean, he, he sent her over a $100,000 in the last 10 years, probably and just because he, he just one day he said, this is something I think I should do. And he just started doing it.
0: You know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, good boy. That's cool. So how, um, both, both your kids have that entrepreneurial side. Is is that something you feel like you instilled in them is that something that they just kind of yeah. had, or what how did that come about what do that's you think
1: the, that's the that's the culture of our family and it's very much rooted in in the first amendment which um you know that set of rights that we secured for ourselves you know it invites us to create companies and and create ways of of earning a living it invites us to just to just live large you know and you know in my opinion you know it if you, if, you have a, if, if you can somehow get yourself to a point where you've got a little, you got a little mom and pop business that's doing a million dollars a year and throwing off a couple hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and it's not something that makes you have to you know, show up between nine to five, boy, it's hard to come up with a better way to live than that. For all the complaining we libertarians do about the government, um, you know, this is a great country. There's a great infrastructure in place. Uh, you know, Adam Kokesh talks about, you know, getting people to rally around blowing up the government. People don't even want to blow up TSA. <laughs> I mean, people, the reason we have TSA is because it doesn't piss people off enough. That's why it's there. You know, ultimately, ultimately we the people are responsible for everything. And that's why I decided to run for president. I'm like, I got to stop complaining and criticizing. I had a podcast late night last week, very big popular show. And, um, uh, and I just, I just got to the point where I go, I'm going to just get in the game and I'm going to put my money and my time where my, where my heart is and see if we can, uh, you know, disturb the universe a little (laughs) bit and wake people up around a little bit. Good
0: deal. deal. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Um, so i if curious, if, uh, where, where do you see the, uh, the, the federal government in education? Is it someplace they
1: I don't think I don't think the federal government should have any role in education. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I was talking to Judge Gray about this up in uh, California. I put a little video clip of us talking about this. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, Jim, would you agree with me that the word education should be the most liberally construed term in all of the English language. And he said, absolutely, I totally agree with that. And and I really believe that. And, and so the problem, the problem when you take an authoritarian approach to defining anything is that once you define it, you limit mm-hmm. it. You limit it. So, and, and, and that is especially true when the definition is from the public sector, from the government. It has a tremendous psychological effect, because that is now an official, quote-unquote, official definition. So this is what education is. We're going to put that in a box. This is education. And what Bernie Sanders is proposing is to define the word even more narrowly than it is already narrowly defined. That's what he's proposing. Uh, He's proposing the same with healthcare when he talks about single payer. So if the government even though the private sector is providing the health care, if the government holds the purse strings and controls the purse strings, there's going to be a whole array of federal statutes, rules, and regulations that define and regulate everything. And and down to the, down to the smallest detail they write this crap up. And um, uh, you know, it is so limiting to entrepreneurism It discourages people because they go, God damn, I got to comply with all this crap. I'm a smart (laughs) person. I've got a nice life. Why would I want to, I've got my choice between, you know, anything I want to do. I'm smart. I went to a top school. I've got advanced degrees. Why would I want to go into this healthcare thing? Why would I want to do that? You know, when I go to the doctor, she spends, my physician is, I think she's about twenty-eight or thirty. She's fairly new out of med school, and she doesn't even look at me when I'm there. She spends her whole time transcribing what I'm saying. Yep. Like she's she's not a doctor. She's a stenographer, and she doesn't like it that way. She doesn't want to do that. She wants to take care of the patient, but she can't. Yeah, I, I think that's
0: the same way with with public schools now. You see a lot of of that happening, right? Like, and who who sticks around, right? The the people that you don't necessarily want there that really don't belong there they're just there for the paycheck and you know but uh so would you you break it down
1: yeah but i think you i think you would have you'd have i you would have a lot more people uh wanting to be uh wanting to spend time teaching children if it if if the if the government Uh, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm not, I'm not like get the government out of education, Mm -hmm. all all government out of education. That's, that, that is, I mean, that is a nice aspiration to have, but I think you can have, you can I think you can express fealty for the libertarian principles we all agree in, but you can also have a foot in reality. And the reality is that it took a while for us to get where we are. (laughs) So it takes a minute to get out. But a little state like Vermont, right, is a place where there's five hundred thousand people, and you can actually influence people there. Like like everybody who lives in Vermont, like literally knows Bernie. They know the governor. They they they're friends. They know they see each other all the time at, at stuff. And and you know your state legislatures. You go to dinner with them. At the, they're in your town, and so you you can influence that. And you can hey hey, you know maybe this is fine for 75% of the people, but 25% is still a big chunk. And you've got parents out there who would just like to be responsible Mm -hmm. for educating their own children. And that, that is ultimately the most responsible parent who's willing to make that type of commitment to their kid um, where they want to actually create their own environment, whether they're doing it directly or indirectly or part-time or full-time, So they're putting a lot of their own initiative and creativity in it. And ultimately, you're going to end up with more people who look at the world uh, in an individualistic way. And that just benefits society in ways that are intangible and wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's part of the, one of the bigger issues with it right now is that you pass all these, you know, this common core, all these standards from one central point in this massive country and expect it to be the same for everybody and mm-hmm. you know you, you got to break it down a little bit to the uh to to a, a smaller smaller scale but
1: uh right have you seen my show fool for a client
0: i, I i've started it. i started it and i was gonna
1: yeah so there's a there's a thing in there where i talk about this one billion dollar government program called the walking school bus a program designed to teach kids at walking to school can be just as safe as the real school bus. That's literally <laughs> the program. And so in these small towns, uh, you know, they get the local police and he fires it. Like Barney Fife, he turns the lights on and then they, they pick up the first kid and then they walk to the next house. The next kid comes out and they line up. And then it's like, just let them walk to school. I think you have to be willing to take a risk with your kids. I think the, I think the best parents are willing to lose their kids.
0: You get it. You put a little bit of risk in there and it it makes things a lot more, you you understand things a little bit more. And and I think it it brings out a well-rounded kid uh, more so than the kid that's wrapped in bubble tape and uh, doesn't know what hits them when they need to actually do something.
1: Self-reliance, right? Self-reliance, being accountable to yourself. If you're not self-reliant and you're not accountable to yourself, then it is impossible for you to engage and participate meaningfully in the, in the, in self-government, mm-hmm. in, uh, in in uh, in in uh, any of the things that that the Constitution, Bill of Rights stand for, you know, we we own this government. Uh, we sit and complain about it, but you know, we don't we don't take responsibility for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it kind of cuts both ways a little bit. You know, we, we, we have responsibility. I think it. We're almost to the point where it's just uh, I don't know I don't know is, is is there a way out? You know, are we so entrenched in what we have? Can we tie it back? There
1: is a way out. There is. And it starts with a libertarian president. It doesn't start from the bottom up. It starts with a libertarian president. You take the most constitutional office and mm-hmm. the, the most libertarian office in the country. It is the office of the president. Um, it is the op- It is the, is the job that aligns. Mo- if it is done in a constitutional way, which it hasn't been for a long time, if it is done in a constitutional way, it aligns very nicely with the libertarian party national platform and you and you and the messaging presidents are able to assign ideas so if you're assigning ideas related to individual autonomy as opposed to ideas related to institutional authority well then you're doing a great job as president
0: good deal well i i uh i wish you luck thank you for coming on um if people want to find out more about uh about you about you and and your platform i know you have uh your website out there with, um, those wonderful YouTube videos. I love that. Those were, that was great. Um, but where, where can we go to find all all that stuff? Find out about you.
1: Thanks. So markwhitney.com markwhitney.com. And one of the things we're focused on right now is qualifying for the, uh, debate in Texas. So Texas is going to put four candidates on the stage. I'm currently in number two in fundraising. So the Libertarian Party in Texas is like, the candidates who raised the most money for our party get on the stage. So they're kind of auctioning off for debate places. That's what they're doing. Um, so I'm number two, and I want to go down to Texas, having out-fundraised uh, that uh, Mother Jacober. So uh, if people want to support, my, support me, one of the best things they can do is just shoot me an email, mark at markwhitney.com. I'll give you the link, that Texas debate link, and you can deposit up to one hundred dollars in support of me being on that debate stage down there. All right, I, don't
0: know. I, I didn't, did not know that's how they were doing it. And I know you mentioned uh... they're having an auction.
1: That's what they're doing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> good deal, good deal. I know you mentioned fool for a client. It it has done well and it, uh, it looks good. And yeah, you, uh...
1: I put fool for a client up on YouTube for the first time about. I don't know, 10 days ago or so, something like that, it's had like 15,000 views. Yeah, people like it. Good deal. Good deal. Yep. Well, I, I, yeah. And people are like, why can't you be more like that fool for a client guy? I'm <laughs> like, I will be. I just got to blow some shit up first. Yeah, well, I- just got to blow some shit up.
0: fun uh yeah so so mark whitney uh, i enjoy talking to him um he's a good guy and uh you know brings up some some interesting points and uh yeah and i really appreciated the uh this idea of a a culture of entrepreneurialism and uh and i've heard him say it before that can't wasn't a word that uh, existed in their their vocabulary it wasn't something that uh was was prevalent in and their their conversations with each other as a, as a family. You know it's it's amazing when you think about what words mean, what they do, and if you just don't don't recognize that you can't do something or that it's something is impossible. That no, that that's not an option. Not doing something is not an option. You figure out how to do it and you stick to it and you you do it and uh, I just just really appreciate that. Uh, also, go check out um, Fool for a Client. I did finally wrap up watching uh, Fool for a Client. Hard to hard to find time, but. Uh, did. I did do it, and you should do it as well. It is enjoyable. So at the end of the show, we talked about Mark getting into the debate at Texas. And that little uh, pay-to-play auction that they have going on there, I'm not sure the details behind it. I have heard some some talk that uh, they were trying to raise funds for some cause or another. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about. But anyway, that's what is there. And uh, so yeah, Mark, Mark will be there. Uh, I believe he one, his, 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 uh, jar received the most donations, if you will. Um, so he will be there and it should be a, a fun watch. Um, and I encourage you guys, if you're in all interested, go, go check that out. They, uh, these debates are, are, are curious, curious events for sure. If you enjoyed today's show and, uh, you're curious about the libertarian end of things, you want to hear more, more of that. Come back in two weeks. My guest will be Mr. John Mons, who is also running for, uh, nomination. Um, for the presidential uh, ticket in the Libertarian Party, such a mouthful of words that that phrasing. Um, anyway, he is coming on in, in two weeks and telling his story about uh, homeschooling, their homeschooling adventure, and uh, where he sees the federal government's role in in education. Until then, I encourage you all to get out there, sow those seeds of liberty. And we can all reap sheaves of freedom together. United.